also got Mr. Randall Cunningham on here. And I also got a very special guest tonight, Miss Chelsea Phillips Tafoya. She is the host. She is the hostess of the Atlanta Falcons in-game uh, uh, entertainment, and she has been doing that for several years. And she does a great job at that. Miss Chelsea, thank you for joining us tonight. Absolutely, so much my pleasure. And now I'm going to bring Randall in. Randall, how's your afternoon going? Hey, I'm I'm great. Look, Howie. You know, we're used to having some pretty elite high school football coaches on here. I'm going to tell you, Coach Benefield, Coach Van, they they can't hold a lot to go miss Chelsea because you can see her pictures. Coach Coach Benefield just don't look that good, even if he does dress up. Hey. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, they, they probably don't get the pleasure of going through makeup. So I'll, I'll be honest, I don't wake up that way. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think we can get Coach Benefield to that level. Even on his best day, Miss Chelsea. Coach Van, he's in his 20s. Maybe we can get him there. His uh, wife, Anna, for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I received that compliment. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you for joining us. Howie, um, let's start with uh, the things you have prepared for the Falcons. I, I got so in-depth in, in, in reading some things that Miss Chelsea had done, and, and I kind of went away from the Falcons. So won't you take that part of the interview? And when you're done, you just hand it over to me and I'll ask her some questions and we'll kind of go back and forth a little bit. Okay. We're, we're not going to keep you very long, Ms. Chelsea. We know you're extremely busy. You're a, you're a producer. You're the in-game entertainment and all everything. So my, my question as far as in-game entertainment, what what is your typical Sunday like when the Falcons are playing at home? Oh, I love that question. So uh, my first, this will be my third year, just signed my contract for my third year. So super excited um, to get that going. I was, it was very much my draft day too. <laughs> um, <and laughs> not too recent as, you know, com coming back in, not as a rookie, but as a third year player. Um, and so my first year looked a bit different than last year, um, simply because our games, of course, the timing of our games are different. Last year, all of our games started at one, um, which is both a plus and a minus for me. It's a it's a plus because, you know, we all still get home in enough time to prepare for Monday and the week coming and, you know, to feel our emotions we felt from the game, hopefully the good ones. Um, but but then we still have the rest of our day, whereas the season before we had our earlier. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had our later games um, that had us coming home at 11, 12, uh, both as fans and as, you know, people who work there. Um, but a typical day for me for last season with our one o'clock games, I wake up around six I'm in makeup by seven. Um, and then I am at the stadium by nine. And the beautiful thing about what we do truly is that everybody who is in our stadium is just really passionate. We're all passionate about what we do. We're passionate about each other. We're passionate about coming together to provide, you know, everything outside of what's on the field and make sure that we do our part, uh, whatever happens on the field, just so that we can all have a good time. Therefore, all of our fans have a good time. So while I'm thinking about it, big shout out to Howie for being, you know, one of one of our uh, season ticket holders and just someone who I can always look to to get a pulse on where our fans are at. So, Howie, I really appreciate you. But, yeah, so I'm in the stadium by nine. 
Um, and we just start getting everything together. We have our morning meeting. Everybody's in the control room. We're talking about what's happening, where everyone needs to be at, whether it's, you know, audio, uh, cameras, graphics. I can't stress enough um, how most people who think of football, you think of what happens on the field. But there are way more people surrounding the field and off the field that put everything together um, to make it not just a football game, but truly, you know, a cultural thing. Um, that can be ready for everybody, old, young, you know, black, white, Asian, every, we have everybody in there. So we really try to put a full um, entertainment uh, piece together um, and and, an event together that also displays the game. So we go through our morning meeting, then we go out on the field, we're testing the mics. You guys might see us kind of walking around. Tigger's usually out there doing his thing, holding us down with music. And then the game starts playing. So as one of the uh, hosts of the show, of, of these games and of the behind the scenes show, I have my producers and my director in my ear letting me know, you know, because because one thing, too, now this is this is live. Obviously, these are games that are played live. Therefore, all of the behind the scenes and the entertainment factor is live. So we are running around and, you know, calling audibles as much as they do on the field. So I've got my director in my ear kind of telling me, you know, oh, instead of being there, we want to get you closer to the fans. So go all the way up to the 300 level for this hit, different things like that. And you'll see me kind of popping all about talking to everybody, whether it's the players or the coaches in between when we can or the fans facilitating different games. So that's a little run through of what it's like on game day for me. Now, you say you're up at six and make up my seven. The Halloween game where you dressed up as the Joker, how long did it take you to get fixed up for that? Oh, I love that. I was just in heaven playing a character. And I think last season, actually, you know, your first season, you try to get in there, get your lay of the land, just like the players, you know, be seamless with, you know, your teammates, be seamless with your coach. Whereas, you know, when you come after your rookie year, you you want to come with more tricks. You want to elevate yourself and step it up and um, step up your game. So we really did that uh, with costumes like, you know, the the mask costume and things like that. It actually mask. took. Yes, oh, I'm sorry. Took, I said no joke. problem. Yes. It took it took less time for me to get into that mask <laughs> uh, makeup than it does for my regular makeup. I'll be transparent. But but it was great. I, I love it so much. Even down to, you know, the New Year's outfit. Uh, we had a game right after New Year's Day. So we really try to go with like a futuristic look, um, something next level. So we we had like the um, Star Wars makeup going with the lip and the eyes and all that kind of stuff. So we I'm really hearing from fans that they love that stuff. Like I said, it's not just what happens on the field. It's everything around it. And so for us to come together as the city of Atlanta and be able to do that so well, I love what I do. Well, that's how we came. I came to know you, and I guess you know me because in the world today, everybody's quick to point out what people does wrong, all the mistakes, all this and that. Mm. I've reached out to you and said, "Hey, you do a great job by keeping the fans into the game with your uh, excitement and entertainment that you do in between uh, during the commercials and halftime and all that stuff." And so that's how we came to know each other because I'm one of these that reaches out to people and say, hey, you did a great job, not, hey, you you should have done better or whatever. And Mm -hmm. uh, And I appreciate 
that so, so, so I can't tell you how much I appreciate it because even though, you know, I'm the face, so I receive, I, I tend to be the one to receive those compliments. I, I pass them on to our whole team because it really is just the whole team that puts in day in and day out. And a lot of the time they don't get that glory. So when I have someone as gracious like you, who does take the time to vocalize the positivity, I absolutely share that with the rest of our team as well. And not only do you do during the game and all that, but even before the game outside at what used to be Falcons Landing, but it's the Home Depot backyard now, you're out there uh, entertaining people as well. Oh, absolutely. Every chance we get that, that was something. Um, and I know we mentioned earlier that I, that, uh, you know, my, my days doing high school football as well. That was just something that I think is so beautiful about sports. I think it brings together a variety of people. There's nothing like that energy when your team, you know, or really anybody for that matter, even if it's not your team, whatever sport it is, when, when we take that humanality and just raise it to that level where we just see something in a sport that just, wow, you know, gives you that awe factor, just gives you that like, ah, yeah, there's nothing like it. Um, and so to me, to be able to bring all the extra stuff that doesn't happen on the court, doesn't happen on the field, you know, to, to folks, I really appreciate that. Now, I, I'm the one that always asks the same question to every person that comes on. And, and I can't let you go without, asking this is there any pre-game ritual that you do before you uh take on the microphone i love it i love it well the first thing that i do is i always feel grateful so i just had a birthday last sunday was my birthday and this is my year of gratefulness and so before I do anything right now, um, but also the games too, I, I just go into a mode of gratefulness. So sometimes that might be just texting one of my family members and my support team, my friends, and just telling them, love you so much, about to go in here, you know, we got this, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, other times it's just talking to God and just telling him, thank you for this moment. You know, thank you for this opportunity to, to connect with folks and just to be me and do what I love and you know, try to step up my game. So my pregame ritual is just doing whatever I need to do to be in that mindset of gratitude. Cause it also helps when, as we all know, especially as Falcon fans, sometimes the outcome is not what we want, you know? So <laughs> if an outcome comes out where it's something that we want, cause I mess up too with stuff I do. Like I said, this is live. We all mess up, you know, um, as long as I'm in that state of gratitude, I could be grateful for what I did do right, you know, or be grateful that I even had that opportunity opportunity to mess up and try again. Randy, I'm going to ask one more question, then I'll come to you. And on this question here, and you may not want to answer this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, you had the contestants out there that's got to catch the punts was one of the ones this year and all that. When you see a contestant go out there, are you like, there's no way? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, when I'm talking directly to the person, no matter what, I'm going to hype them up. You know, right. I'm going to hype them up. I'm going to request that as the fans, we hype them up because you never know. Like, that's the crazy part about it. You said, do some, sometimes do I say, you know, oh, they're never. Sometimes I, they go out there and I'm like, oh, they got this. And then they don't, you know, and I'm oh, just wow. like, ah, okay. oh, no come on, you know, kind of thing. Um, but that's because nerves get to you. 
So at yeah. some point, it doesn't matter how talented you are, you get out there. And if you're not used to, you know, 60,000 people screaming and yelling and stay, you know, whatever, the lights of the stadium, how big it is, like, it, it's a lot. And I will stress the fact that when we watch TV, everybody's used to watching TV either, you know, on TV or maybe you do get the opportunity to come to a game and check our players out, right? Most people do not see the games right from the field. But when you're on the field and you look around and realize these are huge players, you know, and there's a million of them and they're out there and they're making these split second decisions like football is so much mental, you know, to me, so much more mental than it is physical because at some point you get out there and you got muscle memory going so you practice 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 and you go into like muscle memory mode but what you need to focus on is like your men your men your mental mode your mentality you know how to be in that mindset to like not only make a decision super quick and react to what's going on you know but to really be able to see the future and see how you could try to get the best outcome for your future it's wild and i very much appreciate having the best seat in the house Absolutely. Randy, the floor is yours. Well, Miss Chelsea, thank you again. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about covering high school football. It's something I've done for 30 years, and I, I think it's a unique opportunity to highlight young people. Mm. In, in that moment, and you've been with Georgia Public Broadcast for uh, several years, what's it different when you go to cover high school football versus being live in the NFL setting? That is a fantastic question. So I'll I'll go back even a little further. I grew up with um, quite a few friends that ended up going pro. So I grew up with uh, Lewis Williams, who you know was was uh, of course a phenomenal basketball player um, down to even excelling with our Hawks. Um, and then Dexter Fowler, who I grew up in Alpharetta with, who um, is a you know, a, a world champ. He's a basketball, or excuse me, a, a baseball player, yep. and uh, wor- won the you know World Series and everything. Just super phenomenal. To Scoville Jenkins, who you know was a very young tennis player pro, um, who played against all the celebs and was ph- phenomenal in his own right. And so, to me, growing up, and also even um, outside of sports, I grew up with Bow Wow, little Bow Wow at the time, who was young, a young person who obviously excelled and is became phenomenal and, and doing phenomenal things. So. I really got to see a beginning factor of people who have a passion, who have a talent, um, and then sharpen it and work on it as a skill enough to be able to excel. And it's just so crazy because seeing these high school kids who, you know, work so hard and put their all into practice and they're all into these potential dreams of being able to continue their love for the game, whatever the game is. Um, you know, it, it's just very interesting to me. Um, and and I, at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is when you become pro, that's when your journey begins. You know, now you're a pro. Now you got to show up. Now, you know, your whole previous career, what you did uh, was nice and all, but now you really got to prove it. Um, but that's one thing that um, just covering high schoolers that I saw, their, their passion for what they do, uh, the fact that 
their families, the surrounding communities that support these high schoolers, that was something that I really wanted to champion. The moms and dads that maybe quit their jobs and moved so they could get their kid to this school and this program, or the mom and dad who split households and the dad got another apartment just so they could send their kid to again, this program and prepare them for this school, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. That part of it to me um, was something, again, that I wanted to champion, what I call the other side of the noise. Yeah. Um, uh, what Again, what happens off the field um, in order to get these kids to the game. And then another thing that I, that I think is interesting about high schoolers is, you know, let's be honest, for most of these kids, this is going to be their their last high end thing, you know, uh, um, high end experience on the field. You know, they they're most likely not going to go pro. It's a very small percentage, I'll say, you know, of of athletes that go pro. So trying to equip these kids as I'm talking to them, looking at these coaches and these assistant coaches and, you know, the whole team around them, helping to equip them to have that mindset of gratitude. Um, and also to keep their expectations at bay, you know, and still have them go out there and give their all has been very interesting. Uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing journey. I've mm. been privileged to watch a few players grow into NFL players. It's an, you're, you described it very well. Now, you have an amazing team with the Falcons. But at Georgia Public Broadcasting, Friday Night Lights, how many different hats did you have to wear? Did you have to produce yourself? Did you have to do on screen? I'm, I'm sure it wasn't as laid out as your fal current Falcon situation. Well, it's funny because we used to be on air for like hours and hours and hours um, at a time. And so that part was very different. Whereas obviously when I'm in the stadium, it's like a whole production going on. There's so many different facets of it. The Georgia public broadcasting team is phenomenal. They're very passionate about putting out a great product. Absolutely. You know, we're the only ones that are putting out high school sports a lot of the time widely for folks all over Georgia or even outside of Georgia to be able to check out. And so thankfully, um, I, I just had to wear all my natural hats, whether you hire me as a producer or as on camera talent, you know, I, I have all of these things working anyway. So even when I am on camera talent, I'm still doing all of my own research and doing things like that, that maybe a producer would do as well. And thinking about the overall storyline of something and how I can just bring a better outcome to the audience anyway. Excellent. Now, I'm going to jump off football for a minute, if that's okay. One of the things in my research today that I, I was lucky enough to find was a, a, a TEDx talk that you had done. <laughs> Tell me what it's like to put off the sports hat and then to go into the business world and be able to, be, to present that professional. And, and I, I want to follow up after this with something you said in that, but that, that is one of my favorite. TEDx as I've ever seen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I recommend doing a TED talk to everybody <laughs> I can because it was so therapeutic 
let me tell you, it was so therapeutic. Not quite often do you get an opportunity to be on a stage and like have, you know, a very notable company say, hey, you could talk about anything you want within these couple of guidelines. We'll work with you as you go, you know, but it's all about your idea. You know, you're not selling a product. You're not really trying to push anything like you're just having a straight up conversation. So you really got to like dig deep and soul search. And then a, one of the biggest challenges that I had when I did that, and I actually um, doing another one is on the docket as well, uh, is being concise, trying to be concise, get your point across concisely is a very hard thing to do. And 10 minutes sounds like a lot, but it really is not a lot. You know, it goes by very quickly. So that was a challenge of mine that I experienced working through there. But all of the same things that happen when you're getting ready for a game, you know, it happens when you're talking business too. You got to prepare and you got to just get in that mental space and be ready for it. Howie, this is my last question. We'll come back to you. There was a wonderful point and you credit your husband with this point in that talk, but it was something I use today, but I thought it was such a great piece of advice. You, you, you made the point that you don't talk too much. You made the example of someone late. You just apologize sincerely for being late and don't go into all the details. I had a very similar, a similar situation today at work. That was the first thing that clicked in my head. Tell me why that simple ideal can be so effective when communicating. Well, so one thing that I've learned and I'm teaching my daughter right now too, and I can't tell you how many things I either realized that I knew or realized I needed to sharpen through teaching my daughter. Um, but one of those things was just that so much of communication happens in our own heads and what that entire podcast, uh, or excuse me, what that entire Ted talk piece, um, is about is that we have the ability to literally craft our future, to craft our story because our own story, we are our own protagonist, you know, of our own story. We're our own heroes. And, our reality is really what happens in our head. So if reality happens in our own head, why can't we make our stories great? You know, why can't we alter the way folks around us interact with us and alter the way we interact with other people and alter the way we react and interact with ourselves? And what I mean by that is exactly what you just said. Instead of saying, you know, oh, my God, I, I am so sorry for being late. I was doing this and I was doing that. And you must be so mad at me and this and that, you know, instead of coming at somebody that way, because then they're taking on the brunt of that automatically. They're like, yeah, this person was late. And yeah, that was horrible. I don't care why they were late and this and that. Instead, you say, I appreciate your patience. Thank you so much for your patience. Let's get this going. I'm going to catch up. We're not even going to miss a beat. Because then you are creating a positive in their head. Even though you were late, you focus on the positive, which is they were patient with you, even if they had to be, you know, on their choice. You know, you, you just focus on that. Another simple example is like, you might say to somebody like, oh my God, I know my breath stinks right now. Well, the first thought in their head is like, ew, this person's breath stinks. You know, whereas they may not have even noticed your breath stunk. You know, just we have the ability to, 
affect other people. And we get so caught up in our own head that we assume that people are thinking about all these things about us when really at the end of the day, the person's only concerned with their own stuff. Everybody's selfish. They're just pushing their own stuff on you. And, you know, so if you can push your stuff on them, let it be more in a positive note than in a negative note. Well, I was late for a conference call today and I just sincerely apologized up front and said, let's get to work. And I, I think everyone appreciated it. So I called Howie and I said, I, I just stole something from her TEDx talk. Yes. Oh, you just made my month with that. I appreciate that. So, so much because boy, and my husband always, you know, my husband, another thing that my husband tells me too, is like, everybody's busy. So a lot of people approach me and they're always like, oh, we know you're so busy. We know you're so busy. But at the end of the day, everybody's busy. That's life. You know, every single person is busy and my busy is no more busy or no more important than anybody else's busy. You know, so I'm just always grateful for anybody, especially you two, you know, and giving me this opportunity and this time and attention to be able to talk and keep the message going. Absolutely. Howie, uh, I'll let you take a round. I have one more follow up question at the end of it. I want to I want to ask Miss Chelsea about her some other work in the media. But go ahead with your your second question, sir. Yeah. To stay on the point that uh, you was talking about, Randy, uh, the Georgia public television, and everything. Uh, Ms. Chelsea, you just recently did something not for the sports, but for the actors of high yes. school. Yes, I did. Thank you so much for bringing that up. I work with a phenomenal production company called Fine Line Productions, uh, and they put on a piece uh, with the Arts Bridge Foundation, which is over at um, the Cobb Energy Center. And they do a show annually that I co-host with two phenomenal hosts um, that's called the Schuler Awards. It's the Georgia High School Musical Theater Award. So all of the high school students around Georgia put on plays each year. And we have judges that go out and judge them. And then we invite a select few, about 40 schools are represented and only 10 actually perform one song from their various plays. And so, and then they're awarded, you know, best choreographer, best lighting, best costuming, you know, best actor, best actress, supporting things like that. But the same thing um, with football, it just gives these kids an opportunity, uh, you know, number one, to put all of their hard work up to, you know, the chopping block because it's live. You, you got to do it right then and there. And then it rewards them for, for the hard work that they do. It makes them seen. It shows them that the world cares about them. Adults care about them. You know, we're all showing love and support. And let me tell you, there is no rowdy audience like a musical theater audience. They are so cheerful for all of the other schools. Like, it's so encouraging. It just gives me hope back in this world. I know, of course, I didn't go to it, but you you came there several times live on your Instagram, and it felt like I was there. And I'm not sure who was more excited, you or the students, <laughs> because you know it, it was just something phenomenal to see all weekend long. Absolutely, and we're live on air for two hours for that show, so that's that's pretty beautiful too. But yeah, these kids, their energy is just—I was not ready. I am never ready. I think I have energy, you know, when I do the Falcons games. It's funny when I first um, was kind of running up um, to do the Falcons games. The job description says comfortable in front of seventy thousand plus people, 
And I was like, oh yeah, check. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I am, you know, but, uh, but yeah, the energy level that is required. And a lot of people ask me about that. Like, how do you have so much energy and how are you still smiling and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But really, I am so passionate about it. I'm so passionate about storytelling. I'm so passionate about giving other people the opportunity to share their story and just to have a good time that like it fuels me so much so that I told you my first year we were getting out at, you know, 11, 30, 12, I'm getting home. Like my energy after being with all the fans is still like, and meanwhile, my household is asleep. You know, so just trying to, it takes me like an hour just to like calm down and bring, you know, go from level 10 back to like a normal level two. Absolutely. And, and you come back naturally because your daughter is the same way because mm -hmm. I see her on your Instagram a lot and she is wide open. Oh my, yes. She, she is the true star. She is just phenomenal. She treats, she just teaches me so much, you know, shout out to all the other parents that are doing our thing because it is not an easy journey. As we all know, it's so rewarding and so challenging all at the same damn time. But yeah, she, she's the true boss. Yeah. If you will go ahead and give a shout out to your, your uh, husband and your daughter and the family there, because you stay busy and it takes more than one to keep the house going. Oh, absolutely. And so I have a funny story about my husband, actually. Um, if you Google my name, if you start to type in Chelsea Tafoya or Chelsea Phillips Tafoya, the first like Google drop down pop up says Chelsea Tafoya's husband. I'm like, hey, what are you my husband for, you know? Um, but big, big, big shout out to my husband and, and shout out to my baby girl. My husband, you know, is just obviously phenomenal. I'm, I'm not biased at all, but he's a phenomenal person um, on his own and, and also does entertainment. So he was um, in financing forever and worked for the stock market. Um, literally the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. Um, he worked there for eight years and then last year split off to do his own thing. And he's in, you know, the Web3 world um, and has a phenomenal artist that he manages as well, who just performed two weekends in a row at Coachella. And they did South by Southwest before that. So he, he's got, you know, just his own whole world going on as well. So the fact that we're able to complement each other, you know, he's my manager, you know, on the side as well as every husband and wife is with one another. And then shout out to my baby girl, Bobby, who she is the one I practice with because as we all know, kids keep it real. You want to know something? Ask a kid. Like kids have no cooth. You know, they tell it how it is. So I'll be in my room practicing, you know, whether it's my Falcons hits or whatever. And my daughter will creep up. Actually, mom, that's not what it says. Technically, the line is so and so. I'm like, get out of here, kid, before I thump you. No, come back here and let's help me practice. You know, and now she can just read so well and with such great expression that anytime I have like an interview or a dual script or whatever, I'm I'm practicing with her. So my uh, my success, like you said, thank you, is just it's a full circle success. Right. I want to hop back on the Falcons real quick and go back to a point that you made earlier, you're on the sidelines and everything, 60, 70,000 people there. How difficult is it for you to be able to hear being on the sideline with it being that loud? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, it is, it's, it's very difficult. So shout out to any fans who may have asked me something and I like 
interpret what they say and like respond back. So I actually have, um, and let me get this correct, tinnitus, um, or a lot of us know it as tinnitus. Um, I have acquired that in the last year, unfortunately, in one of my ears. Um, and I also have something called auditory processing disorder, which basically um, doesn't have to do with being able to hear. I can hear very well. Both my ears work really well. What it has to do with is the connection uh, between your ears and your brain. So basically, my brain might have a challenge with figuring out what exactly to listen to. So for example, I'm sitting in my room here, but I can hear the wind going outside in the trees and the air conditioning in my house as well. And then I'm talking to YouTube. So my mind might, fo my ears might focus on the, uh, the air conditioning and I might hear it really loud and not hear YouTube as well, even if you're sitting in front of me. So all of that combined to also adding in having what we call an IFB or what you guys will see as the thing in my ear, the little speaker where I'm talking to the director and then the stadium noise and then trying to focus on whatever I'm doing. If it's an interview or a game, it is it's very difficult, but all of that just kind of, you know, adds into the challenge of it and and why I'm again more grateful when, you know, we do stuff successfully. So with that being said, let's since it's just us talking now, how often do you use that against your husband saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you say that? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I don't know, but I wrote down the notes to what it's called. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you, APD all the time because he used to get so mad at me and be like, you have selective hearing, you know? And I was like, yo, this has to be a thing. Like it's more than selective hearing. Like it's crazy because the thing is you try to focus and it, it's stressful, you know, it really is very, it stresses you out. You can't, you know? And so, yeah, man, I, I, I definitely, he, he, and then when I found out it was a legit thing, I'm like, oh, okay, this legit, you can't say anything anymore. <laughs> I love that's, that. I mean, I hate that you have it, but that's awesome that uh, it's something like that. Um, you go up to the 300s a lot during the games. How can you manage those steps? Oh, we just, we, but, and it's so funny because I always have a stage manager with me and shout out to all my stage managers. You know, they, they take care of us well, making sure we have everything we need. We know where we're going and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's a lot of running. It's so much just like booking it up and down and all around. And, you know, we'll, we cheat because we have the behind the scenes access. So sometimes I'll go all the way down and then take the elevator all the way up because it's faster than, you know, escalators. Mm -hmm. Also, um, I can't I can't be in the crowd and not talk to people or take pictures or do whatever they want to do, too. So I have I'll be honest, we've had quite a few close calls where I'm, I'm literally running to the 300 right before we start. I, I've been up. I've sat in uh, two or three games in the 300 for the college games and uh, a concert or two. And those stairs, those steps just kills me. I mean, it's nearly like climbing a ladder straight up. Oh, yes. And shout out to Zaxby's because we got, you know, our 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 little yes. Zach that <laughs> is in that costume booking it up those stairs, too. Wow. Randall, back to you two for some questions. Yeah, and I'll wrap up my section. We'll go back for you to close. We won't keep Miss Chelsea too long. And maybe we join myself very much. She has been a fabulous guest. Um, I, I'm going to ask you something, Miss Chelsea, and I struggle with it. Uh, we, I started a podcast network two years ago, had 
multiple years in sports. But when I step outside of sports, it was a scary thing to interview musicians, actors. Where are you more comfortable? Because you've interviewed some incredible people and feel like the preparation is the same in the entertainment field and the sports field. That's a really great question. And it's funny because um, I grew up in entertainment. Um, my dad is in entertainment as well. So is my great grandfather. So it's like literally in my blood. Like you think I have performed or just had interaction with notable people. My great grandfather was, you know, best friends with Sammy Davis Jr. and performed with like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole and Duke Ellington and all of these phenomenal people. So big shoes to fill from day one. But I really grew up in the entertainment realm. My dad, um, actually, the reason why I grew up in Georgia is because uh, we lived in Cali and then Jermaine Dupree um, was really bringing up So So Deaf at the time and asked my dad to come over. So my dad came over as vice president of So So Deaf and really helped the company and Jermaine and everything to bring it to what it was. So I grew up in that realm. Now, when it came to sports, I played sports, but not until... I hit GPB, did I start to really actively incorporate me as a performer into sports and me as a host and on camera talent into sports. So that was a big adjustment for me. And then also it's very different when I'm interviewing a celebrity, most likely it's either on a red carpet, we've got a camera going, I'm talking directly to them. And then the camera, we go back and we cut it up. Or maybe it's on a live show and I'm there with them and we're kind of talking and things like that. Whereas when it comes to what I do for the Falcons and what I was doing with Georgia Public Broadcasting, you know, it, it's very different. It's a whole live event. You know, it's not centered around just me and what I'm doing with this celebrity or what this high profile person. So from jump, it's just like a whole different. I had to really expand my mind with that because I'm so used to, as we say, you know, uh, loving the camera. I'm just talking to the camera, whereas at the games, it's really all the fans. The camera is just the vehicle, you know, of how the fans are seeing me up on the Jumbotron. So I really had to try to train myself not to look up at myself, you know, or not to look around, but to look into the camera while feeling the energy of everybody around me, if that makes sense. But um, in terms of preparation, Another thing I think is funny, too, is so when I talk to celebrities or high profile people, whether it's like a CEO of a company or different things like that, um, you know, these people are usually very excited to be talking to me or maybe they just have something they want to promote their album or their movie or their whatever, like. You know, they're either very passionate about it. And so they're they've got that energy of passion or maybe they you know, they have this specific goal of like trying to push whatever they're trying to push. And so therefore they have that energy, whereas with sports, it's like a total different thing. Like sports players are like, look, you know, I'm just here to play the game. You know, like most of the time they don't have this energy about being interviewed or this energy about, you know, trying to specifically get something out like they put their all on the field, you know, and the interviewing and the, the TV stuff and camera stuff like all of that's kind of secondary for them. So that was something that I had to adjust because I think it was Kyle Pitts. It was maybe like 10 players um, my my rookie year two years ago. 
I was interviewing and, you know, I'm on level 10 because I'm like, man, I, you know, I got the fans and, you know, these are season ticket holders. So I'm so excited for them. And like, how y'all feeling about this upcoming season? You know, and all the players were like a level three. They're all like, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're just going to get out there and give our all. And, you know, so then I had to bring down my energy level. Like they were looking at me like, simmer down a little you know so that's something different even the high school kids like they're not you know well versed in talking to cameras and all this kind of stuff too they're just like I'm passionate about my game I just want to play type of thing but I appreciate all the research that you've done because I can't stress that enough so many people will either tell me they want to do podcasts or they want to do on camera stuff or they want to do you know and the first thing out of my mouth is like it starts way before the interview you know you got to do all of your research and you got to just see what you're interested in you know and don't act like you know what you don't know like just Mm -hmm. find out about them and you know what you find interesting like talk to them about that you know, I, I, there's a wonderful point you just made. I, I've recently learned if you want to do a quick interview, find a musician that's releasing an album and you just got to ask one question. What's your new single like or what's your new album like versus 10,000 questions to maybe a sports personality that 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 hit really home. So great. Yes. Point. Uh, last thing uh, in reading your LinkedIn profile. I was making notes and I was like, I saw all these wonderful celebrities, Tommy Lee, uh, the late Chadwick Boseman. At the end of it, it says, ask me about my Tupac story. (laughs) So I'm going to end it there and I'm just going to ask you, what is the Tupac story? I love it. So I mentioned earlier how I lived in California. And so uh, Tupac was obviously big everywhere, but especially in Cali, especially when he was alive. So I, I, like I said, I grew up in the entertainment industry. I grew up in music. So even when I was like three, four, five, I was bumping Tupac, you know, and different, different um, music like that, you know, that, that probably would have been a little aggressive for young heirs. But the way my household was, you know, we kept it all in perspective. So Tupac anyway, was my like, favorite, favorite, favorite all time from when I was like five to when he passed. Right. So when I was around eight or so, which was just a couple months or so before he passed, um, we were at a restaurant. My, my parents, my dad was, um, managing Arrested Development, if you're familiar with Arrested yeah. Development, the group, uh, you know, from the 90s and 2000s, they they won MTV Music Award. He won one with them. Um, but anyway, we went to dinner with them. We were all at dinner and I looked to my right and I was the only kid. So, you know, I was kind of whatever, listening, taking everything in. Um, and I look over to the right and who is sitting at the next table but Tupac Shakura himself. So my mouth drops and I'm just staring at him because like and this was like the friend I, I mean, I grew up around a lot of, you know, celebrities and things like that. But this was just the first time that I was like awestruck, just staring at him and he's talking and holding court at his table. And I'm just in his mouth, just like taking in everything he's saying. And uh, finally, he looks over and he sees me staring at him and he waves to me to come over. So I walk over to him and he picked he like lifted me up and put me like on the edge of his knee. And he's just looking at me and I'm just like staring. I was shocked. He asked me what my, what my name was. I couldn't even speak. I was just like, oh, and uh, he said, you know, you know what? I can I can feel your energy. He was like, you're going to do really big things. You are just going to you know, you're going to do something. You're going to make your mark. That's what he said. You're going to make your mark. And I remember just seeing 
all of the passion, you know, um, and the realness behind his face. And it just struck me to my core. And then he signed an autograph for me on a, on a little napkin that was there. And I took it and ran. <laughs> and then I moved to Atlanta and I lost my Tupac signature. Oh, wow. Oh. I know. Can you believe that? No, 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 no. But uh, you just made a dad of a 13-year-old girl heavy metal guitarist very proud with your statement. That that really touches me because I, I, I've let my daughter venture into the world of music. And, and it may be in an area that I have to be careful to safeguard her a little bit, but it really has expanded her mind and, and, and let her um, dream big, if, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And again, as long as you as a family and as a parent, you know, keep it into perspective, obviously it depends on each child, but uh, yeah, I, I absolutely commend you for that. Yeah. Wonderful. Howie, Miss Chelsea, first of all, you're welcome. Anytime, anything <laughs> help you promote. If you want to do something with the high school musical, you let Howie know we're always here for you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your grace. And we do appreciate you. Howie, back to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Chelsea, you actually stole my question because I was going to ask you, was there anyone you ever met that you was just totally awestruck with? But then with that story, you, you kind of answered it. So is there someone else that kind of you've just been awestruck by meeting? Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people who I kind of felt um, in awe of um, are not notable names that that um, you may know. Um, just people who are at just high calibers of, of what they do and not just in a high caliber way of like, oh, they have a lot of money or they, you know, have have notable people that they work with and things like that. Just people who find that balance of just being a rhythm and can be advocates for whatever they believe in and things like that. I'm very much in awe of those people. But another little story um, that I'll tell you instead is um, that I've been asked is like, who's my favorite celebrity to work with? And uh, my favorite celebrity by far to work with is Shaq. And if you go on my on my IG, you'll see this awesome picture um, that I'm talk I'll talk about now. But so I was um, producing a Krispy Kreme commercial. We produced about four Krispy Kreme commercials over the course of a couple of years with Shaq. And if you know, you know, Shaq owns a Krispy Kreme um, in Atlanta. Unfortunately, it was such a staple for the city, but it burned down, but they're rebuilding it. And so we shot two of the commercials there. But uh, during one of the commercials anyway, Shaq, I think this was like maybe my second time working with him. I worked with him when I used to work back at Turner Broadcasting. And this time I was producing. So as the producer, you're the one in charge. You're calling the shots. You're, you know, you previously put everything in place. You're making sure everything falls into play, whatever. And uh, he just found it hilarious that I'm so tiny and I was the shortest one there, but I was the one in charge. So I'm on my phone, conducting business, this and that, right next to my client. He comes over, snatches my phone, hands it to his manager, and then hoist me in the air above him. Mm. And number one, Shaq is huge. Number two, his arm span is huge. And it was high as hell up there. You know, I was like, because I didn't expect it. So I'm like, and, and you know, of course, what are you going to do in that moment? But either be freaked out or enjoy it. So I, I tried to enjoy it and be all graceful. And then his manager like took my phone and took that picture. And, you know, we all just laughed. And I was like, all right, we don't have workers comp. Put me down now, please. 
<laughs> it just he's by far because he's just you know so professional he's gonna give you everything you're looking for plus way more he puts his shack on things he's such a gracious human being he really goes out of his way to talk to each crew member and really give each crew member a little moment even if he's just giving you a pound in between you know one of the shoots or one of the takes things like that like he has a, a little moment with everybody and then one more little shack story i'll share so we were doing a Krispy Kreme commercial in, you know, or at the Ponce uh, Krispy Kreme that got burned down. And the director's like, oh, I want um, a customer to drive through the drive-through and for Shaq to be the one to hand them some donuts. So Shaq's like, Chelsea needs to, you know, Chelsea needs to be the customer. She needs to be the one to drive through the drive-through. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it if I can drive your car. Well, how about homeboy toss me his keys? So I was like, what? So I get in Shaq's car. It is a beautifully customized Benz. It takes me like 45 minutes to push the seat up. I was like, trying to push the seat up so I could have my, my tiny toes touch the brake and, you know, and the gas. He was so far back with his long legs. But I get up there to um, where we're filming and I got, you know, my cameraman's in my passenger seat. And then Shaq, hand, you know, is handing me the donut box through the window, this and that. And we're waiting for the take to start. And then all of a sudden, the music starts blaring from the in the car. And when I tell you, it was like the raunchiest, most cuss word filled song I have ever heard in my life. Every curse word came out of that radio. B's and F's and P's and all kind of stuff. And when I tell you, I was so mortified because all of the clients looked at me because I'm driving. Then I hear immense laughter happening. And I look over to my left, Shaq's hanging out the window, dying laughing because he has his car radio controlled by his phone. So he selected a raunchy song to play really <laughs> loud in his car and all my clients and everybody on sets like looking at me and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I couldn't turn it off. It just, but so much like him just to, like I said, just pull up with that professionalism, but also just make sure, you know, we're living life and we're having a good time. And like, that's exactly how I try to do everything I do. Well, you're absolutely, and you do a great job on Sundays and, uh, I got an email just a few minutes ago, and I'm getting so excited because it's getting closer to football season. Uh, they got the the Falcons is going to have their first look Falcons on June the second. Mm, cannot wait! I am so excited. Obviously, we just hit that draft. You know, we we got a nice shiny player. You know, out of Bijan, very much looking uh, forward to him coming out there and and just doing his thing. I'm interested, Howie. What do you think about our draft? Um. <laughs> well. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, at first, I wasn't real thrilled with the pick of Bijan until I read how they were going to use him, and mm -hmm. then I changed my outlook on it. I, I'm going to have to jump in. I was doing a draft show, and I jumped up and started screaming, yes, 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 yes. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say I was all in from the get-go. I love it, and I appreciate it. And, you know, I think we're still very much in our building phase, um, which is not a bad thing at all. You know, always trying to level it up. I think we have a great um, foundation with our management team and everything we're doing behind the scenes. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I think, I think we're going to be playing some good football out there. I think those who are, you know, at the games, I mean, we're going to see some plays happening. Oh, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. 
the more I read, the more excited I got because I felt like we could have drafted different positions that we needed more help. But yes. I know that uh, Arthur Smith and uh, Terry Fontenot has always said, we're drafting the best available, not positions. And, yeah. and when they got him and then I started reading where they're going to possibly use him as a slot receiver more and a scat back type deal, then I'm like, okay, I can, I can see it happening. And plus, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to realize and wrap my head around it because I haven't really saw it yet, but we signed tons of free agents on defense. So we should be okay on the defense. Absolutely. So, you know, that's, that's the, that was my thing. I, I forget about the free agency and, and I shouldn't be because that's a big key to the upcoming season is our free agency because we finally had the money to go out and get free agents. Absolutely. We've been doing a lot, you know, in this off season. So very much looking forward to being put up to the test. And one thing I tell you, I do do whether I'm on the mic or off it. If I am in that stadium, I am talking smack. Okay. I'm talking smack to every player that's in there or every fan rather who has the other Jersey on whatever team it is. I'd be like, I saw you in here last week with a Falcon shirt. Now you wearing, you know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I think overall, it just, even the people who, you know, are mad about the smack talking, like that's just the beauty of sports. You know, they, they come back too with their own and we have little, little back and forth. So shout out to all of our fans and everybody who comes to the Falcons games. Cause like I said, truly everybody behind the scenes, we put in so much. And so we just appreciate y'all so much. I appreciate both of you for allowing you know, me the opportunity to just get up here and kind of give a little insight on what happens behind the scenes and also just to to talk about what I do. I appreciate y'all so much. No, it's it's all we appreciate you coming on here and spending this uh, hour with us. We didn't mean to keep you this long. We're so sorry. But uh, hey, we, we've really enjoyed it. We appreciate it. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your afternoon, busy afternoon. Um, uh, what you, what it sounded like was you was downtown. Was you close to the shooting today? You saw, yeah. And I, you know, I, ooh, I was trying to, you know, just sending prayers and and uh, thoughts and love out to anybody who was involved. I do have some friends who were a lot closer than I wish they had been, and and you know, I feel like as a nation, we just all of us need to come together and try to find what this next solution is to what's going on. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when, when you asked me about the podcast, I said, it's probably like, it's probably not going to be one. Like it's not a normal one. Basically it, you, you never know what questions that may pop in our heads and we just ask them. And uh, mm-hmm. we're trying to bring a little joy to people, you know, for at least an hour, you know, get their mind away from whatever may be troubling, whether it be, the shooting in Atlanta or, you know, work issues or whatever it may be, just try to take the mind off of it for a few minutes and, and take my mind off my work for a little while as well. And uh, so, uh, but thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope we didn't scare you off where you won't come back again. No, never that. I could, what, please. I told you I'm passionate about this. This isn't play play. I could talk to y'all for another hour. I'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) I have enjoyed this so much. And Fans who come to the games, when y'all see me, talk to me. I love it. I love it. I will very graciously interact with everybody. I love just, again, being able to be the face to all of the people who, you know, put all this hard work in behind the scenes. So shout out to the fans. When y'all see me, talk to me. 
Absolutely, because that's what I hadn't saw you in person yet, but I did speak to you through the Instagram, and you responded, and and I was surprised. And uh, we've talked several times in between then, and I'm looking forward to a lot more conversations, and hoping to get to meet you at one of the games this year. I'm hoping to get you on that field for some of that catch a punt. We'll see if you could uh, put your hands where your mouth is, huh? I, I'm vote no on that one, but, but that's just me. But but now you haven't really saw me, but I'm about 6'2", 240. Now, if oh, you yeah. throw a, a whopper up in there, that whopper is going to be caught. I tell you that. Yes, much. amen. Or I big, like that. Okay, Howie. <laughs> or a Big Mac or a pizza or something, you know. So um, Let's go on. I got your back. We have uh, go, ahead, go ahead and shout out. Uh, get, tell everybody where they can uh, follow you at. Yes, please follow me at TV Chelsea P. Chelsea is C H E L S E A. So TV Chelsea P, and that's across the board, whether it's TV Chelsea TV Chelsea P across all of the socials. And yes, a lot of people say that they're like, oh, you're so busy, or they don't expect me to respond. But I can't tell y'all how grateful I am anytime anybody reaches out. So yes, please reach out. I'm a huge mentor mentee person. I feel like, you know, we learn so much from kids. We learn so much from mentees, even as a mentor. So if you're interested in anything that I'm doing, like reach out and I'll, let's talk, you know, let's help advance each other. So check me out, TV Chelsea Pete. That is a wonderful offer for someone wanting to get into the media. You know what? If I was a young person at Georgia Tech or Georgia State, I think I would look you up if I wanted a a, a nice mentor down the road. You absolutely should. And as long as you come with it, because I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell you if you don't come with it. I've had quite a few people (laughs) not come, you know, where they are just kind of, I'm like, pitch yourself. Tell me about your, you know, I keep it real. So be ready. Absolutely. Well, Howard, uh, thank you for setting this up. Uh, no, thank, uh, thank Chelsea for agreeing to do this. This has been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it has been a wonderful experience. So, um, absolutely. Thank again, you so much again. Thank you, and again, we didn't mean to keep you this long, but it's a nice hour, and uh, it's one of the hours I'll treasure. Thank you for being here for Howie Cheney. Randall Cunningham, River City Media on all the social outlets. Hit it, like it, follow us, and thank you for listening to us. Amen.